This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort, we could be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Well, that one sucked. Rockets falling to the Jazz 112-89. Honestly, just glad the game is over. What is up? And welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join myself and the Athletics Ali Kambijani each week live to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houston. Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. Now, joining us, unfortunately, we don't get to talk about a win, but we have plenty of other things to talk about. Joining us today for a very, very special episode, in fact, the 1000th episode of Locked on Rockets is none other than the man who started it all, the podfather, Rockets Wire editor, Ben DuBose, who you can follow on Twitter, at Ben DuBose. How's it going, Ben? Pretty well, Jackson. Thanks for having me back on for a historic episode 1000. I wish we could talk, you know, have, have I wish we right. were we were talking under better circumstances, all things considered with how this Rocket season has gone, how just how tonight went against the Utah Jazz, which is, you know, just a, a perfect, right. uh, I guess, metaphor or whatever for just how this season has gone. It's just been. It's been tough, man. But uh, you know, we'll we'll we're gonna reminisce a little bit. We'll get yeah. a little nostalgic in segment three. But let's talk for a moment about you know something a bit more interesting, which actually took place off the court for the Rockets. Um, you know, not even involving the Utah Jazz game. But uh, we found out a little bit more about the Sterling Brown situation, in which we found out that one they were visiting a strip club that you did some research on. It looks like on, on your Twitter <laughs> feed, <laughs> some. Amazing journalism, by the way, Ben. I just have to give you props. But the Yelp reviews for the booby trap are fascinating. <laughs> I actually had a buddy of mine who who grew up in Miami DM me about it. And he goes, he DM oh, wow. me and he goes, like it just all caps, like, oh my God. I actually lived near here growing <laughs> up, and that place is known to be terrible. Like it's oh, so geez. awful. And, and so he goes, no, and he goes, no surprise that Sterling Brown got jumped outside of that joint. So that was pretty funny. I, obviously, Sterling Brown, the situation sucks, but we found out that Kevin Porter Jr. actually defended him, kind of like jumped in and you know was uh, I guess trying to uh, de-escalate the situation and. Now, unfortunately, Kevin Porter Jr. is sidelined due to COVID protocol, and he's going to be out until Sunday, which is just yeah. another another thing that this Rockets team has to deal with in this season of things, one after another after another. It just seems to not, you know, it, they just keep coming, man. Yeah. So the crazy thing about that night, when you think about it, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. was out there with Sterling Brown, according to the report from Sham Sharani and Kelly Eco, there may have been some other players as well. Hopefully not, because if that can be proven, then there's going to be more players that are out in the health and safety protocols. Knock on wood, hopefully that's not the case. But 
for Kevin Porter Jr. to be out basically all night with Sterling Brown through this altercation, try and defend him. Of course, the, the police went out there and they had to either, well, speak or not speak. Of course, they didn't want to say a whole heck of a lot because they knew they were in violation of the NBA protocols. And then, of course, he saw Sterling bleeding like crazy, he had to deal with his teammate and his friend going to the hospital, not knowing what was going to happen with that. Fortunately, it it looks like Sterling will be okay, although according to the report, he's still in some pain today and certainly not playing. He was already out with the knee injury. But for Kevin Porter to deal with all of that, and of course, Sterling wasn't even transported to the hospital until like 7 a.m. after all of that went on. The police came out to the scene and all that stuff. And then later that night, for Kevin Porter Jr., not sure how he slept at all, given it was 7 a.m. and then all that going on, he still went out and scored, what, 18, 20 points, I believe, in Miami that night. He was actually, I believe, Houston's leading scorer against the Heat, and the Rockets actually had a lead at halftime of the game. So, I mean, pretty crazy that, you know, that Kevin played that well, given the circumstances. Of course, he was very... Uh, very much a part, even though he fouled it early, of the win in Orlando the night before. And, of course, all that is secondary to what's going on off the court. But, yeah, I think it speaks well to the fact that while apparently some teammates left the scene, he wanted to make sure and do whatever he could, even if it meant him taking a little bit of a beating himself, that he was doing what he could do to keep Sterling okay. Fortunately, it appears that eventually that will be the case. And then... You know, as far as this situation, I don't make too much of it, Jackson, other than, you know, we can laugh at the Yelp reviews as we were doing earlier. <laughs> I don't really judge the Rockets. I mean, number one, it's a lost season. But secondly, you would have to be incredibly naive. Yes, I personally take COVID seriously. I'm not downplaying it. But at the same time, if you think that NBA players are following these protocols to the letter of the law, that's incredibly naive. I'm sorry, I just don't believe it. You know, anyone who thinks that this is an isolated incident, you know, I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona to sell you. I mean, come on, this is going on. A lot of it's under the radar. This just happened to come out because, of course, the unfortunate incident involving Sterling Brown jumping in the wrong van. But, you know, I'm just glad he's okay. I don't really view it as... You know, I guess you can say the Rockets are a young team, but I don't really view it as any big indictment on Steven Silas or the leadership. I think this is probably happening a lot of places, especially in cases where teams are just playing out the string and they're not in playoff contention anymore. It just so happens And we're just that, not hearing about it because... Yeah, we're just not hearing about it. The Rockets, are the only jumped. reason you heard, heard about it in this case was because they just happen to get in the wrong van and all of a sudden Sterling Brown gets jumped. And at that point it requires medical attention. The police have to come out. Otherwise you probably wouldn't have heard about it at all. So again, just, I know there's going to be some that look at that angle and say, wow, the Rockets violated protocols. I feel extremely confident in saying that the Rockets are not, you know, alone in this consider this, the basketball version, I guess of, you know, every time on Major League Baseball Twitter, you hear people acting like the Astros were the only team in the, you know, pre-2019 era to have stolen signs electronically. I mean, come on. Just because someone gets caught, we don't have to, you know, do the holier-than-thou naive act. In this case, the Rockets, wrong place, wrong time. Sterling has been through hell this week. But I don't really read anything more than that. I think it's probably good that, you know, a good sign that Kevin Porter Jr. wanted to be there for his teammate. And thankfully, uh, I think Sterling is going to be okay. And hopefully they learn from it. I've got two things before we move on to our next segment where we're going to talk a little bit about John Wall and Christian Wood and some of the, uh, you know, I guess 10,000 foot view dynamics and of this team. Um, by the way, Jackson, yeah, I should have it. thrown in 
they definitely missed Porter against the Jazz to sort of close the loop on the game that we don't even want to talk about because it was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Keep in mind, Kevin Porter Jr., I think it was the second game that he played after getting recalled from the G League. He had 27-8 and eight in Salt Lake City. I believe it was uh, March 12th, something like that. It was a Friday night game in which the Rockets, they were on the they, second they were night of a back-to-back. losing back. streak. Yeah, and he played so well. And the bottom line, in this game, the Rockets, without Kevin Porter Jr., they just didn't really have enough penetration. There's John Wall and really nothing else. And they shot 10 of 49 from three-point range against, you know, by the way, the Jazz were 44 and 15, the complete inverse of the Rockets at 15 and 44. And, you know, you have the NBA's best team against the worst team, and the worst team shoots 10 of 49 on threes, barely better than 20%. What do you think is going to happen? The only other thing you can say is take the ball to the rim more. Well, that's what Kevin Porter Jr. is really one of only two guys that you have that can consistently create his own offense off the dribble along with John Wall. And then you take Kevin Porter Jr. out, and really all you can do is just sort of bomb away. They tried to do that, shot nearly 53s, and has what's been the case for really this entire season. They just did not make nearly enough of them. So, and the the only other thing we can highlight from that game, really, um, that is of worth note, is, is the fact that K.J. Martin uh, blocked Rudy Gobert yes. again, which is just... I mean, I, he's got like just this hit list of seven footers. And when yep. he sees a seven footer, he, he just sees red and just immediately, uh, you know, like eyes locked, laser targeting system, whatever it is. So that was pretty much the highlight, the only highlight of the evening for me. Um, but I've got two things for you, Ben. So first off, the guys that didn't stay with Kevin Porter Jr. to defend Sterling Brown, are those guys who didn't want to be there? <laughs> You I'm, sorry. Could argue that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> had to use that. No, one. I know you're not doing it seriously. It's too damn easy. No, I mean the reporting kind of made it sound like these guys might have, you know, already sort of jetted before uh, the altercation even went down. But yeah, that is extremely well played. And, and then I, 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 we can't talk about how great these Yelp reviews are without reading one back. So I've got one pulled up right here. From Yanni P, who says, "I love this location." Talking about the booby trap in Miami. Okay. I love this location. The prices are super affordable from the entrance to the drinks slash bottles. The only thing that does bother me is the dancers and their routines. These girls just go on stage and just going from one pole to another. There isn't any show. <laughs> They're basically using the pole just to hold on. Where is the show? The climbing of the pole is the performance, air quotes. <laughs> other than that, this place is good. I would suggest to get some more energized dancers who don't look completely miserable while... In parentheses, walking, all caps, the stage. <laughs> so that was the one that I pulled from on my Twitter. And one of the replies I got that was great, uh, I forgot who it was, but he told me that I that I had found his secret hobby, which is reading Yelp reviews of strip clubs. And now I think I might do that because I'm sorry, like trying to turn a, you know, a strip club into like a serious literary review it's amazing. It's an amazing concept. I've never thought to look before, but holy crap, that was amazing. You know what this is? This is honestly reminiscent of it was it was last season. It was uh, and there was a somebody on Reddit who did a statistical analysis of James Harden and the rankings of strip clubs in certain NBA cities. And they yes. did this this analytical deep dive. And I spoke about it with uh, Michael Connor from Sports Talk 790. And he and I were in shambles going oh, over yeah. that data and that information. And this is very well, reminiscent of that almost, the Yelp reviews of strip clubs. It's like another branch of it. It's great. Well, and this is two seasons in a row. Keep in mind, this is sort of the perfect Florida man story. We can joke about it a little bit because thankfully, you know, even though it was a harrowing event when it 
it happened, it seems like Sterling is going to be okay. So that makes it, you know, a little more lighthearted in retrospect. But it's the second season in a row in which it felt it feels like the season is ending with a Florida man incident involving the Rockets. Because, of course, how did the 2020 season end? Well, it basically ended when Daniel House had a situation with the COVID tester in the bubble. Uh. And that was also in Florida. So you had that going on. That basically ended the 2020 season. And, well, the 2021 season, it's been over for a while. But now we're, number one, we're officially in the final month of the season. And number two, these games are not Kevin Porter Jr. And now, you know, you have three in a row of them tonight and also Friday and Saturday, assuming he has the usual sort of six-day stint in protocols, which is what happened with James Harden back in the day as well when he had his own strip club, or sorry, in parentheses, not a strip club (laughs) in December. But, um, you know, these games with Kevin Porter Jr., the thing that sucks, not only does it hurt you as a basketball team, because, of course, they weren't even competitive against the Jazz, but Kevin Porter Jr. is one of the only really fun things to watch about the Rockets because his growth is one of the things that sort of keeps you going, and you want to see that from time to time. And I think especially, for example, the Magic game that they won, it wasn't just that they won, it's that they won, and Kevin Porter Jr. played really well. It gives you not just a temporary win, but makes you feel better about, you know, the years ahead, and you might be building to something. So these games that you're probably going to lose anyway, and then you don't even have Kevin Porter Jr.'s development to look forward to, yeah, that kind of sucks. So I'm going to say that this sort of feels like the end of a season, just like another Florida incident involving, well, not a strip club, but you can say it had some similarities oh, uh, sort of derail the Rockets in 2020. It was a it was a booby trap game indeed. Shout out <laughs> shout out David Weiner. Shout out both, uh, shout out. Both Matt cases were booby trapped. Yes. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I think that's a a, a wonderful point to end our first segment on. Yeah. So coming up, we want to talk a little bit about John Wall, Christian Wood. We'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen for Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our brand new Locked on Today podcast? Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing on here with the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor Ben DuBose. Now, Ben... We've had this discussion, it feels like, multiple times now, Mm -hmm. me and you, me and other people, me by myself, talking to the microphone, just about John Wall and Christian Wood. And and even Mm -hmm. to a lesser extent, John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr., can these guys coexist? Can John Wall fit the timeline of this young team? And tonight, specifically, we saw some stretches of this game where John Wall was you know, looking off Christian Wood. Christian Wood was intentionally looking off John mm-hmm. Wall after securing a rebound, taking it the length of the court, that kind of thing. And there was this one specific play that I, you know, posted on my Twitter feed where, or I apologize, I didn't post it, but, you know, another account did. But, and then I tweeted it, whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to get in trouble. Don't DMCA me. Anyways, um, <laughs> 
So, uh, and John Wall, like John Wall dribbles the ball up and Christian Wood is like begging for it at the top of the key. And then as soon as Wall, you know, Wall has like nine or 10 between the leg dribbles and then decides to dribble, drive, penetrate, misses the layup. And Christian Wood's hands just go slack. Like as soon as John Wall opts to drive instead of kicking the ball out to Christian Wood. And it's like that level of body language. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm just sensing like a. I don't want to say Christian Wood is nearing a boiling point with John Wall, mm-hmm. but when it's becoming so visual and so obvious to us on the court, there's got to be something going on there, man. And that, that's what I'm trying to wrap yeah. my brain about with these guys. And by the way, looking at the box score again, the Rockets just shot so terribly, 35% from the field, and yet Christian Wood shot 50%, by far the best among rotation players. Well, I guess Kelly was four of seven, but uh, Christian Wood, 50% shooting, yet he only shot 12 times. Whereas Wall shot 19, Jay Sean Tate uh, shot 19, although Jay Sean, I don't really blame him. The Jazz were just sort of leaving him open. That's what Quinn Snyder does when you have a shooter, especially one that's cold. I mean, the Jazz are just so smart and they're so team-oriented that they just sort of funnel you that way. But uh, yeah, as far as the Wood-Christian relationship, I mean, you can tell that there are times that Christian absolutely is Wait, 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 time out, Ben. The, the Wood-Christian relationship? Oh, Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> the wall Christian relationship. I mean, it's fitting if you're talking about Jesus and you're talking about the wood. Yeah. No, okay, just all right. Continue. Wall and wood are so easy to get mixed up because of, well, back, I guess there's still the wow factor because you have a Linux, but yeah, the W name. So anyway, the wall Christian relationship, you know, you could, you could sense, especially during the losing streak. I think the last time I was on, we talked about the aftermath of the Oklahoma City game when, um, Christian had the comment about the Rockets not playing well together. And I think it was pretty obvious because that was a stretch in which we saw Wall going especially hero ball late in games. And so when he thinks when he thinks that he's not getting involved late in these possessions, then who do you think he's pointing the finger at other than the guy who, number one, brings the ball up the court? He's the floor general. And number two, in many cases, the guy who's taking the shot himself. But in many cases, it's not just the shot attempts. That's part of it. But the fact that, you know, when Wall goes iso ball, it's just so frustrating to see a guy who's so isolation heavy, yet after years of James Harden, who's arguably the best in NBA history, you know, Wall's just at best sort of middle of the road. You're just not putting it in the right positions of success for Wood, even if John is able to successfully create a little bit or at least draw attention on the ISO. They're not in sync like you would like to see them. And we did see them early in the year in the pick and roll game a little bit or the pick and pop. That's just really how it's worked of late with John Wall. And yeah, I think you can sense the frustration and there's not an easy fix. You know, as Steven Silas said post game tonight, it's not like you're just going to dump it down to Christian Wood on the low block. He's not that type of player, but yeah, you can make your offense a little bit less isolation heavy and, the bottom line for me, Jackson, I don't think it's going to get fixed this season. However, I do hope that in the off season, I have some hope that maybe John Wall does some sort of self-reflecting. Because I think when you look at his career, number one, he hadn't played in two years. So there's a high sense of urgency. He wants to prove that he's healthy to show that he's still John Wall, the five-time All-Star. And then his years with the Wizards, they were generally competitive most of those years. They were a playoff team a lot. John Wall has not, especially in recent history, had many truly bad seasons. And when this year started, we did not think that that's where this was headed for the Rockets. You know, they had James Harden. And then even after the James Harden trade, that's when they went on the winning streak. It really was very abrupt in early to mid-February 
when things went from competitive to all of a sudden the bottom fell out and this is one of the worst teams arguably the worst team in the nba and for a five-time all-star who's 30 years old and is playing for the first time in two years and is just thrilled to be healthy it's a lot to take in on the fly and you can see that he puts it on himself to be that guy he wants to be the solution he wants to fix it and i just feel like a lot of john wall right now is on tilt and it's tough to sort of figure that out on the fly when you have a game every other day. And at this point, you're in the final month of a regular season that's already basically gone at this point. You're playing out the string. Whereas I think the offseason, it lets everybody sort of, assuming he comes back, it lets everyone refresh, sort of hit mentally the reset button. And I think at that point, you know, you'll sort of have a more clear head about what realistic expectations are, what works, what doesn't. Perhaps you get some more help this offseason. We can talk about that if you want in terms of what the Rockets might do or not do to sort of fortify the roster around those two. But I just think the bottom line is that John Wall is on tilt right now, and I think it's just tough to really fix that uh, on the fly. It's just something that hopefully I think with time, if you get a few months without games, that maybe he can you know, watch film and come to the same conclusion. It's easier for us to, you know, it's easy for us to see it, but you know, we say that from a distance. We're watching, we're not playing. It's just easy, easy for us to watch every single night and say, this is where it goes wrong. This is who needs to get involved more. When you're in the line of fire, it's tough to come to that conclusion on the fly. And I just hope that John, as smart as he is, and he's a very high IQ player, that he gets it in the offseason and perhaps year two goes a little bit smoother. Most definitely. You know, I think that this summer, this offseason, there are going to be some hard conversations had yeah. um, about, you know, his role, you know, what what he wants for his career. And I think that's definitely something that, you know, the front office and him and Silas, they're going to, you know, sit down and have some serious heart to hearts and try and figure out what is the future of this team. What does this team look like moving forward? And that's something I definitely want to pick your brain about here in just a moment, Ben, after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA's still going strong. Playoffs right around the corner. Not for the Rockets, though. Uh, NHL's going strong. And MLB just started up, right? BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's completely free to sign up. So head over to the website and sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Another quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. I mean, with the with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, basically it's impossible to stock a traditional chain storefront with all the parts that you need. rockauto.com has all the different parts that you would want for your car, whether it be engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. You name it, they probably have it. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything that you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and they're the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you want to spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure, this is a really important part, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. 
And rolling into our final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked on NBA draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full draft coverage four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked on NBA draft wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you listen to this podcast. Now, Ben, you talked about kind of, you know, hope for this team moving forward Mm -hmm. and you know, just the way this team team looks right now, they definitely need something this offseason. And obviously the first the first domino is gonna be the NBA draft, right? Trying to figure out, yeah. you know, if the Rockets are gonna retain their pick, if they're going to get a, you know, potentially franchise altering talent like Cade Cunningham or Suggs or Mobley, somebody of that effect, where if they are going to be uh, all of us collectively be, you know, very disappointed um if the Rockets were to lose that that mm-hmm. top pick, especially after how the season's gone. But have you heard anything or do you have any insight on what this team's vision is what their I guess what their hopes are for how this offseason potentially looks you know trying to right the ship because we've heard a lot you know about that this team doesn't want to be a bad team right they don't want to be Mm -hmm. stuck in the dregs of the you know the bottom of the NBA for a a prolonged period of time like some of the other organizations have been they want a fast rebuild so have you heard anything or or yeah insight yeah so talking to some people around the team the last couple of weeks the key thing that i keep hearing is the importance of the 2022 offseason which is a much stronger free agent class than 2021 and there's a few reasons that they're sort of looking at 2022 as a key inflection point i'll try and get into that here i think in terms of what it means for now any of their contract decisions they're going to weight heavily based on how much can they avoid a long-term commitment. Everyone wants to know what's going to happen with Kelly Olenek because, of course, he's played so well since coming here in the Victor Oladipo trade. I think you'll see the Rockets. Remember, Jackson, when Philadelphia did the one-year super bloated deal to J.J. Redick, like the one-year $22 yeah, million, yeah, something yeah. crazy? Mm-hmm. So the Rockets have bird rights for Kelly Olenek. It would not shock me if they tried something like that, maybe a small partial guarantee or a team option for a year or two. Or maybe, you know, I'm sure Kelly, now that he's 30 at his birthday this week, happy birthday, by the way, maybe he's looking for like a longer term deal because he views it as his last opportunity to sort of get one in his prime. Well, if, if that's the case for the Rockets, I think Raphael Stone may look at it from the perspective of, is that deal going to have positive trade value? As much as they like Kelly they are very reluctant to put any money on the books that would tie them up in 2022 because of how important that is in terms of their flexibility to potentially do something even bigger. And so I think in regards to Olenek, I think the one-year bloated route might make the most sense for all parties, and they'd still have his bird rights a year from now if he proves worthy of a deal beyond that. If not, then maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a two-, three-, four-year deal at a low enough base rate that he'd have positive trade value. But I think the Rockets are just going to be very careful. And if for some reason it's not a Linux, then I think if they go out on the market, you're, you know, they're not going to be afraid to spend, but they're going to be looking, be it free agents, trades, perhaps for guys that are expiring or willing to sign one-year deals. Because for this team, I think they sort of view, and this is now. Now, if they end up somehow getting the number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham, maybe that changes things. But based on what they know now, I think they're sort of targeting 2022 as the key point in which they could really make a move. And so that's why I mentioned, you know, we're talking about John Wall and Christian Wood potentially getting them in better alignment for year two, because I think the odds are in favor of 
there being a year two? Because when we talk about you know flexibility in or flexibility for 2022, in terms of how we get there, the bottom line is that the Rockets have two veterans on their books in John Wall and Eric Gordon who have fairly big financial figures. And then if you try to really do a lot in 2021, their contracts would be prohibitive. Well, number one, the 2021 free agent class isn't even that great to begin with. But if you wanted to get a lot of flexibility, you'd have to move at least one, if not both of those guys. John Wall is just making an enormous amount, over $40 million a year. Eric Gordon, maybe he's movable, but at least two years left on his deal coming off the groin injury. I don't know. However, if you if you fast forward to 2022, we're talking, you know, 14 months from now, when Eric Gordon and John Wall are basically expiring contracts, I feel like Eric Gordon, 100%, a final year at like $18 million or whatever it is, he's movable. He would be seen as a positive asset around the league. John Wall, I mean, it's a little bit dicier because he's at $47 million, but still he's expiring, so it's certainly not an albatross. Maybe you can use him as like matching salary and a sign and trade. Maybe you can you know, deal in partly in the cap space and take back like a smaller expiring salary that's a little bit more bite-sized so it can be more easily movable in other deals. But the point is that 2022, that's when you have a lot more flexibility financially. Whereas right now, to get any sort of significant flexibility, you'd have to try and deal, you know, at least one, if not both, of John Wall and Eric Gordon into cap space. And that's just really, really hard to do, especially with the years left and at Wall's rate, the overall dollar value of that. The other part of it, Jackson, is that in 2021, if they were trying to be super aggressive, it's not really the right time because the Rockets just don't have a, a lot to sell. You know, this is the worst team in the NBA right now by record. Their rep is not that great around the league, understandably so. So if you want to make a big move in free agency, you're probably going to have to overpay a ton to do that. And then, like, the true top-tier guys, like Kawhi Leonard, I mean, give me a freaking break. That's not going to happen this <laughs> summer. I mean, we know that. But by the summer of 2020. Hey, man, and, what if John Wall is, like, a hell of a recruiter? Oh, like, what if it just <laughs> – what if that's Kawhi, the, the Houston turnaround? <laughs> Kawhi wants to be here. <laughs> He's a guy who wants to be – oh, my goodness. Yeah. But, uh, no, seriously, though, summer of 2022, and that sounds like a long way off, but it's really not. We're talking like 14, 15 months from now. Things could be a lot different. I just got through running the scenario of the financial flexibility. If you need to move John Wall and Eric Gordon, which is like $65 million or so of salary, I'm pretty confident you can move a lot of that if you need to. They're much more movable at that point. Then your young core, the guys that Rafael Stone identified, Kevin Porter Jr., Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood, KJ Martin, they're all still going to be under contract. And then two of those guys, you know, KPJ and KJ, right now they're 20 years old. They're basically babies at the NBA level. At that point, you know, summer 2022, they're going to be going into year three and year four. They're going to be getting closer to their prom. Then this draft, you're going to get at least two, probably three first-round picks out of this offseason. This coming year, they're going to be rookies. That's probably not going to do a ton for you in terms of wins and losses. But by 2022, their rookie seasons will be out of the way. They should be on the upswing of their development. And then, you know, sort of the big question all over this is, okay, you have a lot of potentially nice pieces, but who's the superstar? Here's the thing. I also feel pretty confident that by the summer of 2022, one way or another, you're going to have at least one top-tier or potential top-tier building block in place. Here's why. This year, you've got a slightly better than 50-50 shot that you do get a top-four pick. and then You get Cade Cunningham. You get Jalen Suggs. You get Evan Mobley, one of those guys. Let's hope that happens. Let's be optimistic. 
There's also the possibility, and we've talked about this before in previous shows, that maybe Raphael Stone packages some of his future war chest of picks. Nobody has more first-run picks over the next seven years other than Oklahoma City than the Rockets. Maybe Stone can package some of those picks for the next sort of disgruntled star that becomes available on the trade market. Maybe you also get lucky and somebody internally, like a KPJ or a Christian Wood, takes the the big leap, so to speak, next year and develops into a top tier guy. There's multiple pathways is the yeah. really important part. But, it's not it's not yep. so black and white. There's yep. not just one route. Yep. But here's the thing. Even if none of that happens, Jackson, even if they strike out on all of it, then that pretty much inherently means that you would likely be really awful again next season. And that's a year where there's no pick swap. So the absolute worst case scenario is that you end up with the top five or top six pick in what looks like a pretty strong 2022 draft class. So the bottom line is that by one way or another, by July 2022, you should be significantly better off in regards to your young talent than you are right now. And also your higher priced veterans are going to be a lot easier to move. So you're going to have a lot more financial flexibility. So between that and what's a pretty strong class of free agents and Everything I'm hearing is that the Rockets are prioritizing flexibility for 2022. They're open to spending now. They want to be competitive. They do not want to tank unless it's absolutely necessary. But at the same time, what they view, it's not so much the draft. They view sort of free agency trades the same reason they got or the same way they got James Harden in 2012. And by the way, if you want to go down the full conspiracy rabbit hole, Jackson, you can point out that that 2022 free agent class, one of the headliners is James Harden. By the I way. was waiting for I was yeah. waiting for you to do it, man. So was... if you want to go down that rabbit hole, you can absolutely point that out. And yeah, the Rockets having flexibility for then, it absolutely keeps it in play. I'm not going to go there because a lot of things have to line up just perfectly, in my opinion, for Houston to be you know that desirable to James Harden. And you know maybe he needs to win a championship in Brooklyn before then to sort of feel like he can do what LeBron did going from Miami back to Cleveland. It's not something that you should count on, but at the same time, the chances aren't zero. You can't write it off. Pick, so, picture it, picture uh, it. James Harden returns to Houston. Headline, I want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and and by the way, imagine what would happen with the Rockets-Nets trade if somehow the Rockets got Harden back in 2022. That would be one of the best trades of all time. In that you basically got Brooklyn's draft for seven years, and then you took Harden back within 18 months anyway. Look, I, I hate to be this tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist, and like in in the yeah. in the essence of nostalgia, it's funny because in one of like the first like second or third episodes that I ever did for LOR after taking over from yeah. yours truly, well, yours truly refers to me. Whatever, I'm I can't talk. Yeah. Um, I, I actually used tinfoil as like a bit and so i'm oh, not yeah. gonna do i'm not gonna do it this time i won't actually run to my kitchen and get tinfoil like i did that time but there's a conspiracy that i think actually sounds so wild that it maybe could be true is that right like what if rafael stone and james harden had this conversation right and they were like look this team is just a dumpster fire right now right I, i'm yeah. i'm in the middle of my prime right now Send me to where I want to go. Get back all the draft capital. Let me have two years to compete for a title with KD, with Kyrie in Brooklyn. I'll come back that summer. <laughs> I'll come back in two years. And I will retire a Houston Rocket because I oh, care geez. about this team. I love this city. This is I, we're, just, we're just not good enough right now. Which is why James Harden then came out, did the speech, made a big show of it. But in the whole time, right, just in cahoots with Rafael Stone the, the whole time. 
that would be the finesse job of all time. Right? I think Sean Sean Marks would have to retire if that somehow happened. That would I mean it's it's just so crazy. Yeah, I mean you can't count on it but it's fun to, you know, it's fun to dream about. But at the same time like even if 2022 doesn't end up with that crazy scenario there's you still know, other there's other headliners yeah, there's, there's other, other options. names it's a yeah. strong free agent class and so to me i don't know it's tough to say exactly what the outcome is you know i could see kelly olenic perhaps being intrigued by like a super bloated jj reddick style one-year deal um but the bottom line is that i actually based on that desire this is just my gut read this is the only thing i've heard is that you know 2022 is sort of at the forefront of a lot of what they're thinking and by that point, you know, inherently goes without saying when your young talents in a better place and you don't have as much long term money on the books, uh, the Rockets will be in a much better position to sort of sell the franchise and be attractive than they would be in 2021. So I think that's sort of why they're thinking that as soon as 2022, they could sort of start to climb back up again. Um, but my read on it, you know, this wasn't anything told to me. This is just sort of me looking at it, but it might make this offseason slightly quieter. That a lot of people think, like, I feel like they're open to big moves because they're always open to big moves. And certainly Raphael Stone has all these first-round picks and they want to cash some of them in by trade. We'll see who potentially becomes available on the trade market and if they're open to coming to Houston, yada, yada. But I just sort of feel like that if you're sort of waiting for 2022, then, you know, what might make the most sense is just keeping a lot of these guys, especially because they're going to be much more movable, the guys in place like John Wall and Eric Gordon, uh, either you know at the upcoming trade deadline or the 2022 offseason, w- whatever it may be, you know I just don't know if the Rockets are going to make a lot of big moves because a lot of big moves might take them beyond one-year contracts. And if you're going to keep guys that are in those straits, you might as well you know keep what you know rather than bring in you know a new new set of guys that are on longer than one-year deals and then look to sort of move them later in a different deal. So, like I said, because of that desire, it would not shock me if the offseason is actually a little bit quieter in terms of less player movement than you might think. I mean, I'm sure there'll be more one-year deals, hopefully get lucky the same way they did with Sterling Brown this past year. Maybe they can keep him, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I just sort of think that everything they, that they're going to do is going to be with an eye on 2022. I agree with that, if, 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 like wholeheartedly. You know, there's... Not a lot of expectations for me personally for this offseason because I've been steadfast on the boat of, you know, you can't give up any assets to move on from John Wall or Eric Gordon right now. You just can't do it. Like, you know, you're in asset accumulation mode essentially right now. And things, as you already illustrated uh, so beautifully, is that things are lining up so that there's multiple pathways for this Rockets team to have a chance yep. to kind of catapult itself back to a place where they're actually, you know, competitive with a with a big name headliner with a star, um, different avenues to get there. And so there's no reason to rush. As bad as this season has felt, and as bad as next season could possibly also feel, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There are opportunities, and it's not like we're just staring down, you know, this, you know, in the dregs of NBA mediocrity mm-hmm. where you're locked into a bunch of really crummy contracts for, you know, to, to be a middling team, to be fighting for playoff positioning year in, year out. You know, the, the Rockets are doing this in yeah. really the best way they possibly could. Right? And- they, they, they traded a franchise player, they bought him out, and now they've got options moving forward. Yeah, and by the way, one quick thing I want to point out. I've seen some talk on Twitter looking in Rockets history at how long rebuilds take going from one star to the next, you know, 
from Elijah until uh, I suppose they got Yao and McGrady from that until Harden and what you know a rebuild. The disrespect cycle to the franchise is like, yeah. Well, number one, it is a great franchise, but number two, no, the the franchise, Stevie oh, franchise. Steve. Oh, Steve. How okay, dare you? Go. How oh, dare okay. you, Ben? Okay, NBA Rookie of the Year, Steve Francis. Okay, but <laughs> um. I mean, those were some really fun teams. Like those early 2000s before the T-Mac trade. Yeah, those actually were some really fun teams at the time. Bring back the it. pinstripes. <laughs> yeah, that was when we were about to do reminiscing. That was when a 15-year-old Ben signed up for Clutch Fans in January 2000. I remember it. And that's what started me down this uh, dangerous path that led me to Locked on Rockets and Rockets Twitter and everything that, I, you know, I still do. But um, I think, you know, where I was trying to go with that, you can't look at any sort of historical analog because the modern NBA is so different than it ever has been in terms of player movement. Basically, it's so unpredictable. Teams go from good to awful, as we've just seen from you know the Rockets from last season to this season, and from awful to good insanely quickly based on the movement of these star players. It's unprecedented. This is the era of player empowerment. It's been said a million times. And so basically, you know, all of this is about when is the right time to strike. You're positioning your franchise both financially as well as what you're sort of selling in terms of the marketing angle of it, you know, to these guys that are available via free agency trade, whatever it may be. And it can happen much quicker than the historical analogs because basically there is no precedent for the rate at which big name players are moving these days. Contracts are shorter than ever. Players are taking more control of their situations than ever. Sort of KD and Golden State, that sort of laid the blueprint. Everybody's sort of tuning out the noise more and more. I, I feel like the NBA that we grew up with, with you know Michael Jordan being you know, the city of Chicago, Hakeem Olajuwon, the city of Houston. I mean, that's no more. That's not the NBA these days. And so I think anyone looking at, you know, well, historically, when a team bottoms out like the Rockets, it takes this long. No, that's not necessarily how it's going to work. I mean, certainly it takes time and we'll see how lucky or not lucky they are in the lottery with rookies for them to develop. But in terms of the big picture, attracting star talent, it can happen a lot quicker than you think. And knock on wood, hopefully as soon as 2022, the Rockets are ready to strike because if they do, this thing can, you know, this thing can turn around a lot quicker than I think a lot of people on Twitter think that it can. What an optimistic note to end on. And we're yeah. not we're not we're not ending the podcast, but we're ending our discussion about the the current day and age rockets because we need to throw it back a little bit. Yeah. Because this is, as we mentioned at the top, the one thousand. And Ben, I'm gonna give you a second here to to reminisce and we're gonna be nostalgic in a moment. But before we can do that, I've got to pull back. We're, we're going. We're going all the way back into the archives. So here oh, we go. Wow. There's nothing like the Rockets' championship era intro music to get a new show rolling. With that said, welcome in to the inaugural episode of Locked On Rockets. I'm your host Ben Dubose. For anyone who doesn't know me, I cover the Rockets for Sports Talk 790, the official flagship radio station of the team. I also write for Clutch Fans and have hosted the Red and Orange Report podcast for the past two years. For those of you who do know me, you're probably wondering, what's this locked on Rockets? Here's the background. David Locke, the radio play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, began doing a daily podcast about two years ago called Locked on Jazz, and it's grown to be really successful. 
Earlier this year, he expanded with a new show called Locked on NBA, featuring numerous high-profile guests and covering the league as a whole. Both shows have done very well, so the thought was this. Why not expand to the NBA as a whole with a network of local shows for each team? David's chosen a handful of great media members around the league to lead these, the charge on this, and I'm honored to be his choice here in Houston for the Lockdown Podcast Network. So what's different about this, you might ask, relative to podcasts like our Red and Orange Report? Well, rather than lengthy analysis pieces, the goal of Lockdown Rockets is just to be a concise daily roundup of what's going on with the Rockets. For roughly 15 to 25 minutes per day, this will be your daily news briefing for the absolute most timely news and information relative to the team. It's an ambitious project, but it's one I'm personally very excited about, and I hope you guys will stick around for the ride. 15 to 25 minutes is the biggest lie you've ever told. Oh, God, ben. yeah. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to go all the way back to the very first episode, the inaugural episode, to pull that clip. Ben, it's been a pretty wild ride, man. You know, do it, you, you did yeah. the show for, you know, three and a half years. Uh, you know, I took it over about a year and a half ago. And my fir- first reaction that I have is it's crazy to think, the consistency, I guess, that Locked on Rockets has had, because there's been a bit of turnover with some of the other shows. There's yeah. some, you know, original, uh, as David likes to call, likes to call them, the founding potters. Um, uh, you were one of them, John Corrales, another one. Yep. Uh, you know, some of the OGs on the network. Uh, but, you know, to think that there have only been two hosts of the show, what, I mean, to you, I want to give you a second to, to yep. you know, get a little, a little you know, misty-eyed. Uh, well, you know, what are some of your favorite moments from, from doing this yeah. show? Well, first off, that was painful to listen to, not because of 15 to 25 minutes. I mean, everybody who knows me knows that I'm long-winded, so I said that because that was the goal. Spoiler alert, I rarely held to it, unless the game was so damn depressing that there was very little to talk about. Spoiler alert, we're at 43 minutes right now, so yeah. yeah. of course. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I'll try to make it quick so that we uh, don't go too long. But no, I mean, it's painful to listen to because it reminds me of the time that, you know, I was not a radio guy at all. And of course, you know, I listen to that, it's painful because... I'm reading. I'm not talking. I'm reading. And of course, I had sort of put together what I wanted to say. But before that, with limited sort of podcast stuff I had done, I did it with Josh Reese. It was called the Red and Orange Report at the time he worked with uh, 610. And, you know, he was the radio guy. He wasn't a regular host, but, you know, he did most of the hosting duty on the podcast. I was basically sort of the writer that just sort of filled in as the color guy, just offering some perspective. And so this was sort of my opportunity the first chance and i don't know what david saw in me i guess it worked out because the show is still alive now which is good but um you know he saw something in me but i was not very polished at all so yeah at the beginning well shoot i wasn't very polished as you know host and then i remember that first episode if you dive further into it it's you know sort of a round table with myself and david wiener i had no real recording equipment i literally put david on speakerphone on one iphone and recorded it from the other like that's how low tech it was you macgyvered it that's incredible yeah like i didn't you know know, basically i didn't know what i was doing and it helped it was the off season like it was late july um but you know it it, i just did not know what was going to happen at that point but i was excited about it um you know it was an ambitious project and it gave me an opportunity to talk about the team on a daily basis. Like it was basically being, you, you know, a beat writer because you're a part of the the fan community. And I had seen how the podcast that I'd done the last couple of years were taking off. There wasn't a daily podcast network at the time in the NBA, but you know, I sensed the potential of it, and I was like, "Hey, this could really be something." I didn't know if I was the guy, but you know, I thought I could try. Obviously, I had the passion for the team, 
And, you know, I think it's it, it worked out. Like I said, Locked on Rockets has consistently been, from everything I know, one of the better audience shows on the network. The engagement is through the roof. You know, I took very seriously when I left uh, trying to get the right replacement. And I knew you had the right enthusiasm the same way that I did. Because for this, I mean, the bottom line is this is not like being a newspaper beat writer. You, you know, you have a special connection. You're talking to people for 30 plus minutes a day. You've got to be really, really engaging. You need them. No, no, no. To Hang feel... on, Ben. Not, not thirty plus. Fifteen to twenty-five. Of course. Jeez. Rolling my <laughs> eyes as you say that. But you've got to make the listeners feel like you have the same level of passion that they do. That's what it takes to succeed in this format because that's what they want. And so, you know, I grimaced a little bit listening back to the beginning because, you know, I wasn't very polished. I didn't know what I was doing. But at the same time, you know, I feel good about it because somehow even without really having either the personal radio chops, I didn't grow up as a radio person, I grew up as a writer, and without really even having the equipment, you know, I found my way. And I think a lot of it was because of the passion I have for the Rockets and, of course, that meshed with the audience. And really, you know, David deserves all the credit because it's the overall concept of the network that I can't believe no one had tried before that. But it was just sort of the perfect marriage, and obviously you get it as well. And I think, you know, the one thing that really kills me is that the Rockets were so damn close in 2018 to winning it all. And I wanted, you know, this is something I've never actually said other than to a couple of people, but I had planned to walk away after the 2018 season because I thought they were going to win the title. Oh, Like, wow. I didn't, you know, as I'm sure you know, like the difference between us. So how old are you, Jackson? I am going on 26 this June. Yeah, you're 26. So I'm 36. So I'm 10 years older than you. So, you know, I'm married now. And this, you know, as I'm sure you know, it's not easy to balance, especially the hours of a daily podcasting gig, especially because, you know, the game times are late at night. And then, of course, you never know when Daryl Morey or now Raphael Stone is going to have some huge announcement that, you know, time is of the essence. The quicker you can turn around the podcast and edit it, the better and get it posted because that's going to get you more listens and that's what the fans want. You know, the funniest episode I can think of. So the morning of the Chris Paul trade in June of 2017, um, I did an episode talking about how I thought the next domino to drop, and they were looking into this, was a Ryan Anderson trade. And, you know, just sort of cleared the books for Chris Paul. And literally 30 minutes after the episode posted, they had pulled off the entire trade for Chris Paul. Oh. Now, now, as it turned out, Ryan Anderson did not have to be involved in that trade. But I could tell that, you know, the Chris Paul negotiations were heating up. And so I was going through in my head. I was like, what's going to happen next? You know, at the time, we didn't know, you know, Gerald Morey sort of laid the groundwork for the uh, opt-in and opt-in and then trade sort of roadmap that has been used a couple of times since but at the time you know it sort of blew people's mind a free agent to be oh by the way he's not a free agent he can opt in and then facilitate a trade that way and yeah i had you know done sort of a theoretical show recorded it that morning and then 30 minutes after there was a new but yeah like when uh, to circle back you know it's tough at my age not that i'm old but like i'm married now and of course you know like family responsibilities that kind of stuff nope old um man. sorry you you said it not me yeah um, you know, it's tough to it every single day. And so I, I was like, you know what? I want to be with this team. I want to be the journey when they win a championship. And then I'm going to step back. Because, of course, it's not my full-time job. It, you know, this is just something we do largely as a hobby. Although, thankfully, David's grown it into a very lucrative business model. But, um, 
you know, the point is I didn't have to have it financially to survive. So I was thinking after 2018, you know what, they're going to win the championship. That's the perfect time to walk away in the offseason. It didn't. I could not bear to walk away um, after being that, being close. that close. Yeah. Because, you know, I wanted to be the Lockdown Rockets podcaster when they won the title because I wanted – there's something about the journey, and I know you feel it too. That's why you know you were such a natural replacement. There's something about being on this journey with the fans that even compared to writing, the podcasting is such an intimate format that you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do 2019 too. And then when 2019 um, came and went, and of course they lost in game six to the Warriors – at that point, I was like, you know what, this offseason, you know, I've got to move on. It's not that I'm leaving basketball media altogether. It's just, you know, there's a little bit more flexibility with write, with writing because at the same time, you know, I can be downstairs with my wife and, you know, we can be having a conversation and I can be just sort of filing a story in the background if something happens. You know, it's not quite as intensive as having to go to a separate room to record a podcaster. God, I, I can't tell you how many podcasts that because my wife was having to sleep, like the, oh, the hardened the Harden shot in January of 2019 at Oracle Arena, the infamous one, to yeah. win the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I will never forget because it was after midnight. It was a West Coast game. Um, my wife was sleeping. So, of course, I couldn't even record in the house because, you know, it's not like the house is soundproof. So I went out to the car. It was a relatively warm night. And I just had to record. So I locked myself in the car in the garage. That was the only way I like wouldn't wake my wife up. And of course, I was so excited. I was basically like yelling after that game because it was so insane. And I was in the middle of Harden's streak as well. I came back in, Jackson. I was effing drenched in sweat because I couldn't even like when, when I would do that, I couldn't even turn on like the AC in the car because. Oh, would... yeah, because it'll pick up in the background. Yes, Absolutely. it'll pick up in the background. So I literally had to go in the car and have nothing on. And, of course, in Houston, even in, you know, the winter, it can be pretty damn warm. And, of course, I'm sitting there yelling. I'm trying not to wake up my wife. And then, you know, I get it. It's 1 a.m. And I still have to even, like, record. You know, I've still recorded. But I still have to edit the show, post it, all that stuff. And, of course, I'm so wired. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be able to sleep that night anyway. Come on now. But, um, it, you know, that was – but, like, that sort of thing. I was like, you know what? I can't do this forever at my age. It's a little bit easier for you at your age. Not calling you a kid, but, you know, you're not 36 <laughs> at least. So, you you know, you're closer to the uh, current Rockets age. No, it, it, takes, it, takes, it takes sacrifice. I mean, I, I joked about it before. I turn, yeah, it, I turn off does. the AC when I record the podcast. I sweat in my apartment when I do the podcast just because yeah. I don't want it to pick up in the microphone. That's my yeah, sacrifice exactly. for the listeners. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, by that point, I noticed, you know, I wasn't reading stuff and I wasn't you know, recording from speakerphone in an iPhone. You know, I did, of course, get better equipment as I learned what the hell I was doing. It just took a little bit of time because at the beginning, you know, started from basically nothing and then just sort of grew into it. And of course, as it, as it was as it got successful, we had more infrastructure and everything that comes with that. But yeah, like those are just sort of the things that you know, it was it really was tough for me to walk away. Like I, I wanted to win a championship with this team. Now, unfortunately, you know, not saying it's going to be forever, but it's certainly not in the near term. So. After the 2019 season went went bust, that was when I was like, you know what, I can't do this, you know, especially at my age, forever. But I'm so damn happy that I made the right choice and you know, recommending you. Not that I was the only choice. Obviously, David had to sign off on it as well. But uh, you were definitely my strong endorsement, and I think your success with it since I left is the reason why. Because you know, podcasting isn't just about. Um, credentials i mean certainly that's part of it you want someone that's around the team and knowledgeable but there's also there's just a level of passion 
that it, that is required that really makes it special. And I think that's what makes Locked on Rockets always has better than a lot of the other shows on the network. Now, the good news is that over, as the years have progressed, I think a lot of the other shows have caught up because I think examples like ours has sort of set the roadmap for what to look for and what other teams and shows should try to emulate. So I think the network is clearly better off now than it was a few years ago. But um, yeah, like I'm happy to have started it and I'm happy that you're sort of continuing the legacy because I think, you know, it's a very special connection. And like I said, I only intended to do it two years and I did it like basically three and a half <laughs> because I couldn't, because I couldn't bear to uh, leave it with that championship. Hate that I didn't get the championship, but you know, the memories certainly made it worthwhile. Well, you already know. I mean, I'm not going anywhere for the foreseeable future because, yep. as you pointed out, I am so youthful. There you go. Um, but, uh, you know, so you already know that you're coming back. You know, if there ever is, you know, a moment, a big game, you know, a championship somewhere down the line, you're the you're the first number that I'm calling at See, the top of the list where I'm saying you're coming back for this alumni championship show. Yep, exactly. And that was the other thing, too, because of my relationship with you. And we've, you know, grown to become good friends over the years. I knew that it wasn't like I was totally leaving. You know, I still have a presence. I'm on it. You know, it feels like at least every couple of weeks, something like that. Uh, it's not like I'm a stranger. So I do still have, you know, a lifeline to sort of the show that I started. And so, yeah, if and when the Rockets do get back to that point, then, yeah, it's it's not going to be hard for me to be involved. You know, what we're going to need to make is, you know, it, it just if at any point in the future I say, you know, if slash when, whatever, it comes time for me to pass the mantle on. I'm going to have to craft uh, a legacy of Potter's poster in the in the same light as the legacy of Biggs on the toy on the uh, Tundra parking garage. And it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be you at the bottom. Then it'll oh, be geez. me. Then it'll be the next guy. And we're just going to keep oh, my God. we're just going to keep adding to it over time. It's going to yes. be incredible. Um, but Ben, I again, I have to, you know, echo my thanks to you for what you've done, building the show up, you know, all the work, the blood, sweat and tears that you put into this to grow it to what it was. And then again, your endorsement of me to take over the show. I really wonder, you know, I wonder how many people date back to, you know, people who listened to you, who grew grew with you as you grew the show and who then stayed on board when I took over the show. I wonder how many consistent listeners are still here. I'm sure some have come and some have gone. There are some people that probably know me as the only host of the show. Mm -hmm. And there's probably some people who left when you left the show, unfortunately. But it really would be interesting to see, you know, chime in. If you're listening to this right now and you've been listening, you know, since day one, since Ben started this show, chime in. I want to know who the long-term, you know, listeners are, who the people are that have been the loyal diehard locked on rockets fans because those are the ones that you know have been through really through the uh through the ringer with us because there have been a lot of uh, memorable moments a lot of you know really good times unfortunately lately some really bad times but yeah. hopefully uh there will be a light at the end of the tunnel uh sooner rather than later we'll have some you know hopefully some interesting stuff to look forward to this off season but ben I couldn't have imagined doing this 1000th episode with anybody else. Uh, you know, all the work that you put into the show, it wouldn't be locked on rockets without you, man. Yep. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, this one was special. I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Well, for today's show, our extra long show, uh, but not extra long because Locked on Rockets is always 15 to 25 minutes. Um, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Uh, that's going to do it. Hopefully you enjoyed this momentous occasion, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.